Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the host of this show. They are the host with the most. They are in the captain's chair. They're in charge and they are steering this ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome to his hard line, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 453 and we are going to be reading Second Peter Chapter three, I did not title it again properly. I forgot to put three on here. Um, but yes, we are in Second Peter chapter three, and it is the last chapter. It's only three chapters in this book. And then uh, we'll close it out, and then we will get into the other part of the conversation on the other side, which I did not start a show for. I did not do a link, but I will put you know post a link once we end this one, uh, which at, at which point we will actually be talking about um, we're going to kind of keep it God, you know, related today. We're not going to be talking really about assembly or anything like that. We'll touch on a little, a few headlines, but um, I want to kind of get in more on the discussion on what really is a Christian revival. And of course, if you've been paying attention, it kind of is in the wake of uh, what's been taking place. Um, well, I guess from what I understand, there's a ton of revivals that are going on all over the country, but uh, there's one really big notable one there in Asbury, uh, Kentucky. And so we're going to, um, you know, that's kind of the, the, what do I want to, what do I want to say? The, I don't want to say the focus, but the inspiration to kind of discuss that because what's happening there in Asbury and that revival is amazing. It's stunning to see, especially in a generation of younger, uh, 
men and women, that they are finding a love for God and an awakening of their spirit of realizing just how important Christ is and how important God is to have in their life. So what's happening there in Asbury is just really outstanding to see. Um, every time I see videos of what's going on there and the singing with all the young people there, it just gives me goosebumps because you could just feel even over the screen when you listen to, you know, over your phone, just on a little tiny speaker and on this little tiny screen, you could feel the power of God and the Holy Spirit with what's going on there on that campus. Just amazing. So we'll talk a little bit about that on the other side, but let's get uh, to the reading here. Again, we're going to be reading Second Peter chapter 3, and I'm reading today, um, again, uh, like I did yesterday, today will be the same thing. Out of the New American Bible Revised Edition, that's the version I'll be reading from today. Uh, let's see here. And this one only, it doesn't. it's not very long, only 18 verses, and then we'll have a little bit of a of a conversation about it, but there's this, this is broken up in two um, categories in chapter three here. So the first one is we got the denial of Perugia. Um, and that's, you know, basically uh, between verses one through 10. And then the second half is we have the exhortation to preparedness, starting with verse 11, going through uh, verse 18. So it starts off by saying, this is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you. Through them, by way of reminder, I am trying to stir up your sincere disposition to recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, scoffers will come to scoff, living according to their own desires and saying, where is the promise of his coming? From the time when our ancestors fell asleep, everything has remained as it was from the beginning of creation. They deliberately ignore the fact that the heavens existed of old and earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. Through these, the world that then existed was destroyed, deluged with water, and the present heavens and earth have been reserved by the same word for fire kept for the day of judgment and of destruction of the godless. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some regard delay, but he is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a mighty roar, and the elements will be dissolved by fire, and the earth and everything done on it will be found out. Now, starting with verse 11, where we talk about the exhortation to preparedness. And that one reads, <clears throat> excuse me, that one reads, since everything is to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be? Conducting yourselves in holiness and devotion, waiting for and hastening to coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved in flames and the elements melted by fire. But according to his promise, we await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
Therefore, beloved, since you await these things, be eager to be found without spot or blemish before him at peace, and consider the patience of our Lord as salvation, as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, also wrote to you, speaking of these things as he does in all his letters. In them, there are some things hard to understand, that the ignorant and the unstable distort to their own destruction, just as they do the other scriptures. Wow, that's pretty profound. I want to reread that. In them, there are some things hard to understand, that the ignorant and unstable distort to their own destruction, just as they do the other scriptures. Wow. Therefore, beloved, since you are forewarned, be on your guard not to be led into the error of the unprincipled and to fall from your own stability, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So that is the last chapter of Second Peter. That was chapter 3. And so, uh, like I said, not a very long chapter, but uh, let me just go back to the chat board here real quick just to see who's on. I see you got my mom on there. Hello, mom. My wife is on there. We got Not Afraid. Welcome. Chris in Michigan. Hey, brother. Glad to have you here. Hope you're doing well. Got Patriot Beagle. Hello. Tara and Rob. Glad to see you guys here. Welcome. And we got Leslie Liberty. Awesome. Glad to see you guys here. Welcome. So. <clears throat> now, what does Second Peter chapter three mean? So, Second Peter three focuses on dismantling the arguments of the false teachers, and that's kind of what we were reading yesterday was about false prophets and false teachers. Now, Peter's purpose is urging Christians not to waver in their beliefs, but to continue to live out what they know to be true. Now, one specific claim being made by false teachers is that the Christ is that Christ would never return. Now, what's interesting today, I was kind of going through TikTok, which I haven't been really spending much time on TikTok lately, just because a it's a big time waster. Number one, but number two, um, I just you know I I have more important things to do, like. Uh, <laughs> get back to better health. You know I mean? Like I said, if you can tell, I'm still a little stuffed up, but it is clearing up. But today I saw a video on TikTok when I was um, waiting in my truck. Uh, I was doing, you know, like anybody does, you just scroll, you know, when you kind of trying to waste a little time and this guy comes on and I wish I saved the video, but you know, he's basically like saying, uh, guys, there's going to be no, there's no, there's not going to be a rapture. Uh, we're not in revelations. There's not going to be a coming of Jesus. He's not going to be coming like a thief in the night. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. And he goes through like this big list of things. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, man, buddy, like I really feel bad for you. Now he did say at the end of his video, I grew up in a church that was spread, you know, apocalyptic teachings and, 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 you know, you know, revelation teachings and you better, you better repent. Otherwise you're going to go to hell and this, that, and the other. And so he explained briefly at the end of his video, how he grew up in that and that, you know, all of his life and all of his family life, that's all they ever lived in was a state of fear based on these teachings. But see, the thing is, is that whoever's teaching that is really leading people down a wrong path. Again, back to false teachers, false prophets. 
And unfortunately, this kid, and I'm going to call him a kid because that's exactly what he looked like to me. He's a kid. You know, although I kind of respect where his uh, outlook is, he's very heavily mistaken. But again, you have false teachers to blame for that because they are the ones responsible for spreading this misinformation and this fear. And so this kid, unfortunately, does not think Christ will, he, he basically said, Christ will never return. There's not going to be a second coming. And I, I really felt bad for that kid in that, in that moment when he made that case, but, or when he made that statement. But in some cases, though, it was also, you know, back to this chapter here, it was also rejecting the idea that God would judge the sins of humanity. And so these deceivers mocked those ideas by asking, well, where is the coming of Jesus? You know, according to their challenge, it had been way too long. And so since time, and in their eyes, too much time, in their opinion, had passed, and but the world seemed to be going along as it always has. And so they think nothing's going to ever change or will change. Now, this is a suggestion, though, that God would never alter the course of the natural and the physical world to enforce his will. Now, Peter's answers, he answers by saying, you know, basically his answer is God made the world so he can alter it whenever he desires. The laws and patterns of the universe are his to override if he so chooses. Now, these false teachers out there, they're quickly forgetting about Noah's flood. Now, in that event, God brought catastrophe on the earth as judgment of the sins of humanity. Now, this was a supernatural act through physical means, and it was an intervention by God in the natural world. Now, for that judgment, God used water. For the next one, the ultimate judgment, judgment, he will use fire. Now, Peter also points out that God is not bound by time as we men and women are here on earth. Now for him, what people perceive as a day and a thousand years are alike. So a thousand years to us is like equivalent to one day for God. Now, just because we don't understand or agree with God's timing doesn't mean he's not acting or that he won't act at all. God's delay, as we see it, should be considered evidence of God's patience and mercy. And he longs for as many people as possible to come to repentance and to place their trust in Christ. The additional time is an opportunity for more to be saved. And it's interesting that, you know, this commentary, <coughs> excuse me, this commentary has this in here. <clears throat> Because I was just having a conversation about this earlier today when somebody was asking me, you know, well, I'm not going to get into the details because I have to be very careful because there are certain things that are private when it comes to assembly meetings. And, you know, I don't want to violate my JCO, my general covenant of office. But I'll just say this. A question got asked regarding something. I'll just leave it there. Wondering if this particular situation will get resolved. I said, yes. I said, but here's something that a lot of people are missing. <clears throat> and I really believe this because it did come to me the other day. 
Now, ever since I came to Christ and Christ came to me and God smashed me into a billion pieces, as I've often told all of you, and he has been rebuilding me since that smashing and has led me down a better path in my life. And as a better husband, a better father, just a better follower of God, <clears throat> it came to me the other day with this particular scenario that the only way we're going to be able to move forward is we have to humble ourselves before God. See, God made a covenant with his people, and he blessed us with this land that we call America. He blessed us with this land that we call the world. But specifically for us here in this country, he's blessed us with America. How do we expect to turn a nation around for the better and to return back to self-governance and to return what was originally rightfully ours to begin with, how do we expect God to bless us with that and to help us return what was originally ours if we're not being, how do I want to say this? If we're not coming to him and humbling ourselves and basically getting on our knees and saying to God, please forgive us, Father, because we are a lost people. We are fighting too much amongst each other. We're allowing certain factions to divide us. And we can't move forward as a nation unless we all get on our knees. I mean, really, on both knees, not just take a knee like Cal, you know, Colin Kaepernick style. No, I'm talking both knees on your ground if you're physically able to. And humble yourself and myself as a group, as an individual in front of God and literally ask him, please be at the heart of our groups, of our assembly, of our state, of our nation, and our marriage. Because until we humble ourselves, truly humble ourselves, and ask God to be at the heart of everything we are and do and, and, and we're involved in, Unless we truly, genuinely invite God and Jesus Christ into our dealings on a daily basis, how do we expect him to bless us and help us move forward? I mean, he wouldn't. Seriously, he wouldn't. I, I know I wouldn't if I was God, but that's just my, you know, my earthly perspective, if you will. So again, he longs for as many people as possible to come to repentance and to place their trust in Christ. See, we can't trust our own self because our own actions and thoughts and problem-solving skills can't even touch what Christ and God can do. Now, however, though, Peter reminds us here that the judgment will come eventually, that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly. That Christ will return, and then the heavens and the elements will burn. The earth and everything on it will be laid bare. Everything will be destroyed. And so Peter then asks a very essential question. Because the prophecies of Scripture are true and the false teachers are wrong, well, how should Christians live right now? Well, instead of indulging in... Sin, 
and of course, without fear of consequence, might I add, as these false teachers suggest, we should lead holy and godly lives. We should live as people looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. That means we should keep working to set aside our sin and to live in peace with God. Now, Peter indicates that Paul has made the same point about the apparent delay in God's judgment. And the fact is, is that we are waiting for the day of the Lord is due to God's patience and mercy. Now, in saying this, Peter also affirms that Paul's words were scripture. His wisdom was from God. Those weren't his words. His wisdom was from God. And so, in a short conclusion here, false teachers, on the other hand, they're very good at twisting scripture. And so, Christians who know God's word are responsible to resist being led away from the truth. Instead, we must keep working to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And now, this is one of the reasons why I like to read the scriptures every single day to you guys and for myself. Because here's the thing, we may not understand it each and every day. We some some scriptures might go way over our head. And we may not understand exactly or comprehend exactly what we just read. But as we continue to read and we continue to read and we read some more and sometimes the same chapter 6, 7 or 8 times over, eventually it'll click. Again, Christians who know God's word are responsible to resist being led away from the truth. And so it's why it's our our duty to make sure that we continuously read ourselves, take our own time, and to immerse ourselves in God's word. Because we do have a duty. Look, Satan is everywhere trying to, you know, entrap us and get us caught up in his snare. We need to know and to be able to have discernment of what a trap looks like and the different variations of what that trap can be. I can't tell you how many times I've had people reach out to me seemingly like they were God-following, Christ-following Christians, and I'm not going to go into details, but I'll just say this. Wanting to come on the show, wanting this, wanting... I've been getting a lot of uneasy feelings about a lot of people lately. No, I don't have validation. No, I don't have receipts. And no, I'm not going to name names and because it's not, it's not relevant. But I've been getting a lot of weird feelings about different people have been approaching me wanting to get on the show. And I'm like, mm. I kept praying on it and praying on it. And finally, I just made the conclusion that, nope, unless it's somebody within the assembly that I trust, that I know that's very passionate about educating others to you know, grow and expand the National Assembly, their Assembly of States and Counties, I'm not really going to really entertain many, you know, people on here. And what's funny is you can always tell the people who once listened on here, I pay attention. Look, I, I may be just a truck driver, guys, but I pay very close attention to details and people's actions and consistencies. And you can always tell narcissistic people. Because I could tell there's a lot of people that if I don't, if I don't, if I don't engage with them the way they want and respond in ways that they expect, they're adioso. Like they're, they're, they're gone. They don't, 
they don't stick around to be a consistent listener to the show. And that's fine. Don't, I don't want people like that over here anyways. I want quality people here, not quantity. Because like I said, God has blessed me with a very good job. I make a good six-figure income behind the wheel of a truck. Yeah, it takes a lot of hours. But you know what? God blessed me with that. And I'm very, very grateful for that. So I don't have to rely on this podcast to earn my living. So if some of those people drop off, good. Don't need them here. Because all they're going to do is basically be mud under the tires to make me spin my tires and try to wear me out. Not having it. I'm not having it. And that is why I do my absolute best to make sure I let everybody know, look, if you got questions, I will answer a few questions on Telegram or True Social or on email. But the minute you start bombarding me with a hundred questions in an email, no. Again, I will continuously say this podcast serves as a supplement and an introduction to the assembly and as a supplement to get the word of God in you every day. You should be reading the Bible on your own terms, but in case you're too busy, we will do it here and we're glad to have you here. But the thing is, is that this show is meant to serve as a supplement not as your main source of information for all things, especially if you're looking to get headlines and news about what's going on around our country and around the world. Like no, like I'll touch on him a little bit here and there, but I'm not going to focus on it. Like I used to. Again, the priorities here, are God, wellness, family, country in that order. So let's say a prayer and then we'll move on to the next show which I don't know, I don't really have a name for, but it'll be episode 254. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for bringing this community together. I haven't had a chance to say this on previous shows, but I do want to say a prayer for the uh, MSU students that lost their lives and those that were wounded in that shooting. We pray for their families. We pray for the souls that are departed way too soon. I don't know what that plan is all about or what that plan looks like, but only you know, God, and I can only trust and pray that um, you have those people, those, those, those young souls in your kingdom. And we pray for their families. And we also want to say thank you for entrusting us with the responsibility to rebuild this nation and to come back to you and to recognize you as the number one placeholder at the top of the throne, because that's where you always should have been. That's where we should have always recognized you at being. And so we just need to learn to come together in a giant revival, which seems to be starting and reawakening the spirit of America and to realize just important and how great you are, God. I can't wait to see more revivals. We need more people to turn to you. That's the only way this country gets turned around. That's the only way we save the nuclear family. That's the only way we can protect the body temple is we need to come into you and love and glorify you, God, because you are the creator of all things. And so we pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, 
we are going to be just fine. This country, I know there's a lot of scary stuff in the headlines and the news, and there's just so much going on. Don't focus on it. It's not relevant. What's relevant is that God is on the move and many people are waking up. That's what's relevant, which is why we're going to talk about what the Christian revival looks like. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't see you on the other side, we'll be back here tomorrow and we'll see you back here on the other side. So wherever you're at in the world, God bless. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank <laughs> you.